Hey friend, hey, I'm so glad you joined me today. Okay, listen, you know how mesmerizing it is listening to someone with a beautiful accent. Well, my guest today, Miss Tanya Harris, is from Australia, and she is just like music to listen to. So for one, you're gonna wanna listen to today's episode for that reason alone. But for two, she has a PhD in practical theology and hearing God's voice. So she's already my jam, being practical about Jesus and hearing his voice, but she shares her story of how she grew up in a background that believed in cessationism, which is the belief that signs and wonders and miracles and hearing God's voice is just for the days of the Bible, not for today. She also grew up believing that women are not to be preachers. Well, ironically, the Lord has called her into a life of operating in signs and wonders. And as a woman preacher, she has planted churches and started a ministry called God Conversations. She's amazing. She's totally my jam. And I think she's going to be yours too. So let's jump into this episode. It's a good one for those of you who nerd out a little bit on theology stuff. You're going to love it. And those of you who've ever wondered those questions, you're going to enjoy it as well. So make sure you share this episode with someone. Also, don't forget, stop by javawithjenmerch.com to go check you out some really great merch compliments of yours truly I designed them all just for you so let's jump into today's show hi you're listening to Java with Jen with your host Jenna Lee Samuel on this show I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense authentic and super practical way With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today for another episode at Java with Jen. I'm super excited. Today's guest is a a new friend of mine that I was introduced to um, by another friend of mine, and her name is Miss Tanya, and she is coming to us from Australia. And so it is actually Monday for her, Sunday afternoon for me. So that just already feels fancy and fun. Um, So Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. Great to be here, Jen. (laughs) And honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to have you talk a whole lot so I can enjoy your accent. I'm going to let you introduce yourself for my listeners who are unfamiliar with you. Go ahead and give us kind of a a brief bio, who you are, where you're at, uh, what you're about. I am the Director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips people to recognize and respond to God's voice. So I've been doing that for about 15 years. Uh, Before that, I was involved in a whole range of ministry expressions, um, pastoring, missions work, youth work, all of that sort of thing, working in Bible colleges as well. That's awesome. I love that. And you guys, as you can already tell, she has a a theology degree in practical theology and hearing God's voice, right? Yeah. So my story is that I grew up at the age of 21 and I... um, went through a bit of a faith crisis, just working out to see if I would take on the faith of my parents, basically, and was raised in a a really lovely, good, strong church. But um, I hit the age of 21 and felt like there was something more. And I met a friend at university and she talked about God speaking to her. And I thought, wow, what an unusual concept. (laughs) I read about this in the Bible. You know, God spoke to people all through the Bible, but I'd never heard God's voice for myself. So I got curious and I prayed a prayer and said, God, would you speak to me? And could you make it really clear? None of that 
fuzzy stuff. I want it to be really clear. And if you make it clear, I will do whatever you say. Mm. And so um, the story goes that uh, God spoke to me and he made it really clear. And I did what God said and life turned out to be very, very different to what I had imagined. I started out my working career as a school teacher and then went back to college and um, learnt how to do ministry, planted a church as I said, involved in various ministry expressions, teaching in Bible colleges, et cetera. And then years later, God spoke to me again and said, Tani, your job in life is to take everything that you have learnt about hearing my voice and pass it on to other people. Mm-hmm. And so that began um, God Conversations, the ministry that I work in full time now. And it was interesting, Jen, because during that process of travelling and speaking in so many different churches and denominations and subcultures around the world, discovering that there were a lot of questions in this area, that people were a bit like me, they were curious. And, you know, I had a lot of questions. What does God sound like? Yeah. Um, How do you know it's God? Uh, And then what happens afterwards? And um, some of those questions I did not feel were being answered really well in um, the books that I was reading in the library. I found that there were very different types of books. One had lots of stories of experiences, but not great theology. And then there were great theology books, but without the stories of experience in them. So at that point, I um, did a, started working on a PhD in practical theology, looking at the theology and practice of revelationary experiences in the church and with the desire to help churches to fully embrace the beauty of the new covenant, which involves hearing God's voice for yourself. Absolutely. My story. That's amazing. (laughs) I love it. You guys can probably tell my listeners that me and Tanya had a really, we clicked. We were like, oh, I think we're the same type of people here. Excited, both excited about hearing God's voice. And I have to say that the the theology degree that you got is probably the first one that has sounded interesting to me. Most theological <laughs> degrees I've heard about, I'm like, oh, it sounds terrible. Uh, but yours sounds very interesting. Yeah, so the field of practical theology looks at our what our theology looks like in practice. So theology, as you know, is just understanding about what God is like. So we all have a theology. We all have an understanding of what God is like. Yeah. Um, And so it looks at, well, what does our beliefs and our understanding about the voice of the spirit look like in practice? Mm. And then what does our practice look like? What are we doing theologically in our practice? So it's, um, you know, I'm not really, I mean, I've done 12 years of theological study, but I wouldn't call myself a true academic because I'm a practitioner and (laughs) help people. So I'm doing all of that crazy study. Well, that's what I, that's what I love because I am just such a firm believer that believing all the things doesn't do anything for us unless we can integrate it into our practical life. Like what's the point of reading the Bible if you cannot then apply it to your practical living? So I am 110% with you on that. Smart doesn't change lives. Practical application does. Okay. So let's, let's jump into your story here. Um, you had mentioned to me now, for those of you who are listeners, you're going to hear maybe a little bit more, uh, terminology that is familiar in church world. So we're going to do our best to kind of explain these things and keep it really kind of down to earth, but there's a, there's a concept in some Christian denominations called cessationism, which is the belief that the the signs and wonders, the works, and you can probably define it better than I can miss Tanya, but that in essence, 
the manifestations of the spirit of God and the power of God ceased with New Testament church and like the, the disciples, the apostles of the early Testament. But a cessationist believes that we're not going to see miracles now that was in Bible times. So we're not going to hear God speak. That was in Bible times that our extent of knowing God is reading the Bible, praying, and basically kind of hoping God hears from you. Um, and so Miss Tanya came from a background that was of that persuasion and that belief to the PhD of hearing God's voice and practical application. So that is like a major paradigm shift to go from this is just for the Bible to this is for our everyday life. And so what was that like for you? Like what were even some of the maybe aha moments you had along the way that allowed you to cross that bridge and go, oh, maybe this isn't just for the Bible. And you kind of shared a little bit already, um, but maybe you can even dig into that, how God made that clear for you and, and what was that bridge for you? Yeah, that was a really big question for me because a lot of churches think that the moment the Bible was completed, the Holy Spirit stopped speaking. Mm -hmm. And I remember being very confused by that as well. Uh, because it was very clear in scripture that God was speaking all the way through. So under the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, you would get this phrase, and the word of the Lord came to, you know, the word of the Lord came to Joshua, to Moses, to Isaiah, to Jeremiah. In fact, one third of the Old Testament is of God speaking. Like wow. it's full of God conversations. Every time the spirit is mentioned, it's usually in relation to talking. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so, in that, so that's, that's our starting point, the God who reveals himself in speech, there's a great story about how God speaks to, uh, wants to reveal himself to a prophet called Elijah. Mm -hmm. And he, he, first of all, you know, in those days, gods were understood to be powerful. They were mighty and they revealed themselves in natural phenomena like earthquakes or wind or fire. And um, God actually does something really special for Elijah. He says, I want to reveal myself to you. Mm -hmm. And then there's a story that says God, but God wasn't in the wind, wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the fire. And these are all mm -hmm. the expectations of what the gods would do in the ancient world. And in the midst of that, God, what has God reveal himself? Well, he reveals God's self as a voice. He speaks. He speaks to Elijah really personally about his life and he was going through a hard time and God speaks about that and he gives him hope for the future. So this is the God who reveals God's self by speech, by speaking. And then, of course, you get into the new covenant when Jesus came and Jesus is presented as the word of God. So the prophet spoke the words of God, but now Jesus comes as that word of God. That means everything Jesus said was the, the voice of God. And then everything, not just what he said, but everything he did mm. was the word of God. So his actions spoke God's message. Every time, for example, Jesus reached out and touched the leper, God was speaking. Mm. Every time Jesus gathered the children on his lap, God was speaking. When Jesus refused to throw rocks at the woman caught in adultery, God was speaking. And, of course, when Jesus stretched out his arms on a cross, God was speaking. So we get the word of God the message of God, God is speaking. But then, of course, you know, um, if you're familiar with um, the birth of the of the church, Jesus says to his early disciples, I often think, wouldn't it have been great to have, have been around Jesus? Wouldn't it have been awesome? You could walk and talk with Jesus all the time, but you sit and have a latte with Jesus, a coffee with Jesus. <laughs> and um, how good would it have been? But then Jesus, like, shocks them and says, I've got to leave. But... Um, and the horror that they would have experienced by that. Like, Jesus, you can't leave. What do you mean you've got to leave? And Jesus says, don't worry. 
it will be better if I leave. Because if I leave, I will send you my spirit and my spirit will continue to speak to you. My spirit will remind you of everything that I've taught. In other words, everything that's now established in the Gospels, my spirit will remind you of that. But I've got so much more to tell you, but you can't handle it all at once. But don't worry, because my spirit's going to speak to to you about things to come. Yeah. And, um, And then it will be better if I leave. All those questions you're going to have about life and about continuing my mission and all those things that you don't know, I'm going to continue to speak to you. Mm -hmm. And so then what we see is in in the progress of Jesus's life, he's died, he's resurrected and he's ascended. He deals with the barriers of um, our sin and selfishness on the cross. And then the promise of Jesus comes to pass on that very significant day, the day of Pentecost, which was the annual Jewish feast. Mm -hmm. Everyone's in Jerusalem celebrating and the Holy Spirit comes. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, the story is told that when the Spirit comes on everyone, there was miraculous phenomena that happened. They spoke in spiritual languages and all sorts of interesting phenomena. But then the Apostle Peter stands up amongst the crowd and says, this is what was promised by the prophets, the ones who had gone before and who spoke the words of God. Um, this is what was promised by them, that when the spirit comes, your your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will have visions and your old men will have dreams. Very famous um, passage of scripture. Um, and I used to wonder what it meant. Like, what does he mean, what does he mean by that? You know, what does it mean? <laughs> Like I was seriously, when I was younger, I thought it meant that, you know, there's lots of old men in church and sometimes the preacher goes on and on, not in your church, of course, Jen, uh-huh. but sometimes, you know, the preacher goes on and on because the old men are old, they fall asleep. They, fall asleep. <laughs> they have dreams, right? Of so, course, <laughs> especially in church. Right. And then because they're young men, because they're so young and they're full of life and zeal, you know, they're up the front row and they're, they've got vision for their life and they're mm. drafting their 10-year plan. Um, and I used to think that's what it meant. <laughs> not what it meant what it meant was under the in the ancient world under the old covenant there were prophets that were chosen particularly to have as their job description to hear God's voice and to pass the message on and the main way that they heard God's voice was through dreams and visions it's kind of a a picture language very powerful yeah yeah. um, very effective a picture tells a thousand words. We we understand that. So they heard from God largely in dreams and visions, and then they passed the message on to other people. They prophesied. Mm-hmm. They spoke out what they heard. So people were hearing from God, but you had to go through a prophet mm-hmm. to hear. And so when Peter was saying that, and I know this is a really long description um, answer to your question, Jen. Um, I'm getting. I'm landing the plane. But <laughs> um, the spirit, the whole distinctive of the day of Pentecost is that Peter was saying in the same way as the prophets under the old covenant heard from God in dreams and visions and prophesied spoke the message out passed it on so now who can hear from God sons and daughters young and old everyone can now hear God's voice in the same way as the old covenant prophets it's a massive shift that now the promise of a new covenant Christian, everyone who chooses to follow Jesus can hear God's voice mm-hmm. in the same way yeah. as the prophets did. And so therefore, as we see the church unfold in the book of Acts, we see time after time, the Holy Spirit speaking to the early church, reminding them mm-hmm. of Jesus 
and then speaking about things to come as they go on the mission. And in fact, what we see throughout scripture is this God talking situation. And so the issue was, I think, for me, going back and looking at that and just reading it through very plainly, mm-hmm. going, hang on, what, what has changed? Because Peter, after he'd spoken to the crowd at Pentecost, said this promise is for you and your children mm-hmm. and for all children every generation after that so right into the 21st century right into my life and in your life today Jen Um, so the issue for me was well why do some churches believe that what what seems to be so plainly outlined in scripture and why do some churches not and so part of my PhD was trying to work that out so that I could help people because I think um I think it's pretty clear. I don't think at any point Jesus said, okay, after I've sent my spirit in the third century when the canon, when the fourth century, when the canon is closed, my spirit will stop speaking. Right. Right. The issue is what do you do with scripture? And so that was that became a little bit of an obstacle in people's thinking that if I say God's speaking to me today, then that attacks the authority and the role of scripture, which it doesn't, but some people think that it does and certainly in my church that was the case Mm. and so I was looking well how do I resolve this issue because the the truth is is that people um, have problems in this area and they say God told me and sometimes they say silly things about what God told them to do and this is where we get tension here so yeah so that's that's a little bit about my background and why I went on the journey I did with my theological studies. Wow, that's really interesting. You're right that the, it does create a lot of tension, especially when you get, because hearing God's voice in the prophetic is like, it's it's an, it's an abstract sense that you're developing. You're developing a spiritual sense and we're all physical beings. It's very easy. But I mean, even in the physical world, my kids do this all the time that one person will say something and the other one will be like, don't call me a blah, blah, blah. They're like, dude, I totally didn't. You know, so even speaking in natural voice, we still misunderstand how much more when we're trying to discern the voice of God in our spirit, it's it takes practice, you know? I often say, man, if I had been Jesus, I, I would not have entrusted the spirit <laughs> because people are too messy. Yeah. They wouldn't you like, like Jesus didn't, he didn't give a lot of instructions about, no. what the, you know, he didn't, he didn't sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write down everything that you need to know. I'm going to organize a scribe and then I'm going to send you know, um, boxes of encyclopedias down from heaven so that you'll have it all there in black and white. No, he he entrusts the spirit to flawed, messy humans. And I think a, a good example of this is in the in the early church with the okay. apostle Peter. And 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 Peter had been called to build the church. You know, oh. I this uh, rock, I build my church. And he was talking uh, um, in general about. Peter's role and what the church was built on. And so, but Peter's never seen a church. Uh, <laughs> church. Never seen what 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 does that mean? Yeah, true story. <laughs> no, he, he, he's he's on his mission, but he's he's praying about it. And he's on top of his a friend's house in Joppa and a rooftop. And he's praying about, no doubt, his mission. Um, and it's just before lunch. So he takes the opportunity to go on the rooftop and pray. And then as he does that, he falls asleep. He falls into a trance and he dreams about food. And then and then he says in the message of, yeah, right. <laughs> so it's a very famous story, this God conversation. He has this vision 
and he sees this tablecloth, this sheet coming down from heaven. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking, what's for lunch? No doubt. And the sheet opens up and it's full of um, unclean food, non-kosher food. Jews aren't allowed to eat this. The law of Moses says that in order to stay separated and be consecrated to God, you need to not eat these foods. And then he hears a voice from heaven. It says, get up, kill and eat. Uh -huh. He's like, no, I can't eat that. It's unclean. No, it can't do that. And it, it's repeated three times. And, and then he comes to and he's wandering around the house, wondering about what on earth that meant. And he starts to realize that God is speaking to him that the church is not just about the Jews. Mm -hmm. It's about the non-Jews, the Gentiles as well. But this, this was a radical thing to say. Like yeah. um, suddenly all the law of Moses is no longer applies. Like suddenly the Gentiles, the Gentiles were unclean. They weren't allowed in certain parts of the temple. They weren't allowed to go to their house. They were ritually unclean. So, so the point is, God's one of most God's most important messages for the church that went on to change the shape of Christianity worldwide is given in a vision, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it seems to contradict everything that they knew. Wow. And so how. How did Peter know it was God? Mm -hmm. And it's the same question that we face today because you and I both know we can get it wrong. Yeah. You and I both know that we have subjectivity. We all see what we want to see. We we, we we hear what we want to hear. We see things through the filter of our desires and our, our experiences, our mindsets. How do we know that we can hear from God? So I think people get very nervous around the God told me thing because it is so subjective and therefore it must be subject to a process of testing but perhaps we haven't done this as well as we could have right well and a lot of people don't realize the process of the testing <laughs> that you know they're like they're like I got this impression and they maybe did truly hear from the Lord but they're new to all of this you know or don't even realize what's happening and they don't know there's a process to test what you're hearing and what you're developing. Uh, I'm totally milking all that I can from Miss okay, Tanya's wisdom here. I don't want to get too heavy. So just let me know if, but I think that kind of background is important, particularly just yeah. for your general Christian audience. I think um, understanding the, the, the backstory from a scriptural perspective is super important, particularly if you totally. do have cessationist, Yes. background and, and and often you might not get a fully cessationist but you'll get someone who even though people who who um, still struggle with this because it's kind of like a modified cessationism if you like yes yeah well and I know that speaking of that or speaking to that I know I grew up with some friends who were very cessationistic but I know one of them in particular, like he would combat with combat discuss <laughs> with me about no miracles are for the church time. And all we have is the word of God and prayer and, and church. But when his wife got really sick, suddenly he was praying and asking God for a miracle. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, where did you find the faith suddenly to believe for your miracle? And the truth is we see it in the word and the word of God is what builds our expectation of faith for what God can do in our life. It's just it's instinctive because the word of God is living. It is meant to give birth to that faith inside of us. We talked about that there is a process to testing um, when we're hearing God's voice, because I think people's biggest concern, the question I always get from people is, how do I know that I'm hearing God's voice, aka how do I discern his voice? 
But then B is how do I know it's God's voice and not my voice? And that's, those are always the top two questions I think around this topic. And so, as you mentioned, we, people can get weird and we can get weird and, and the learning and the discerning is a process. So what is your safeguards and your testing? And you guys, all my listeners who've been with me for a while, listen to what she says <laughs> there. I'm, I'm letting her repeat what you probably already heard. And I want you to hear it again, because it is the truth. And I want you to hear from lots of people. Um, what is the safeguard? What is the process of discerning the voice of God? Oh, Jen, it's such an important issue. And can I go back to the early God conversation of the church? Because I think the early church forms our example. They had just spent time with Jesus. They'd received the Holy Spirit and then they had um, experienced the voice of God. So back to Peter on his rooftop, he's praying about the mission probably that God has for him. And he hears God speak through a vision and the question is, how did Peter know it was God? And obviously, if we understand the Holy Spirit to be the continuing voice of Jesus, what that means is that everything that the Holy Spirit says to us today is going to be consistent with what Jesus said mm. and what Jesus did. Yeah. And so anything I hear today will be consistent with that, not just, again, what Jesus said, but what he did. So, you know, if I'm hearing something that brings condemnation or guilt or shame, did Jesus's words bring condemnation or guilt mm. or shame? No, they didn't. And if for someone like the Apostle Peter, if you look back, remember he'd spent three years with Jesus. The question was him, would, would the Holy Spirit say that the good news of salvation was for the Gentiles too? Um, Jesus had spent most of his time with Jews. But Peter later on remembered what Jesus had said. And if you think about what Jesus did when he met the Gentiles, he welcomed them too. He, he healed a Roman centurion's daughter. He reached out to the Canaanite woman. He talked about Samaritans um, as people to be embraced. And then his final words were, go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? To every nation. And so we see, well, Jesus laid the foundation of everything that the Holy Spirit says. For Peter, that looked like, yeah, Jesus would say, the Holy Spirit would say that the good news is for the Gentiles too. But the other thing that happens in this God conversation, which is really significant, is that as Peter has just come off the rooftop and he's wondering about the house, wondering about the meaning of the vision. So if you think about it, that's the same process we go through. Was that God's voice? Was that thought that I had or that picture that I saw or that dream that I had? Was that from God like like how do I know that it, it could just be me making it up well if you have a look at what God does you see the beauty of this is that God gave us his spirit so that we can follow Jesus said my people recognize my voice and they follow so hearing God's voice is about following God's voice mm -hmm. in which case God is going to be on our side and he's going to make it easy for us so if you look at this story as Peter is wondering about the meaning of the vision he, at the exact same time, he hears a greeting at the door and he goes down to see who is at the door and he sees they're Romans, they're Gentiles, and they're inviting him over to their house, wow. to the house of their master, a man called Cornelius. And Peter's initial reaction would have been, oh, mm -hmm. unclean, just yeah. like he'd seen in the vision. Mm -hmm. And suddenly something clicks. 
hang on a minute. The voice said, get up, kill and eat. Don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. And he realizes that God is speaking. And so what we see happening is that God organizes this so that at the precise moment that Peter is hearing God's voice, God has been speaking to somebody else. A day's walk away in Caesarea. He's speaking to Cornelius, a Gentile. And it's like God brings them together. And it's like, what did you see, Peter? What did you hear, Cornelius? And they realize that God is saying the same thing twice. This is what happens in the life of the church. God confirms his word through the witness of other people. Mm -hmm. See, under the new covenant, under the time that we live in, the church age, the spirit was given to sons and daughters, young and old. And that is a Hebrew parallelism. It means every demographic of people. So now others can hear from God too. And so we get this confirmation in the church. And so particularly, I think, Jen, when we're talking about um, God speaking about radical things, like I want you to move countries, I want you to resign from your job, I want you to, you know, those kind of things that are very subjective. What we see is that God confirms his word through another. I remember in one case, a, a man I know, he's like, oh, I don't hear from God like you do, you know. And I said, well, why don't you just ask God speak to you? And he was particularly interested in dreams. So he asked God speak to me in a dream. And about a month later, he called me and said, Tanya, you wouldn't believe it. I had a dream. I think it's from God. I saw in the dream, I saw myself and I was traveling in a car up a mountain and it wound around and then a storm hit. And I finally made it to the top. And at the top of the mountain was a hospital. And I knew it was a time of healing. Mm -hmm. He said, but that's not all. Because when I woke up, I told my wife, I said, honey, I've just been in, see this dream. And there was this mountain, a car, and I hit a storm. And then the hospital up the top. And as, she, as he's talking, her mouth drops open. She said, I just had exactly the same dream. Oh, wow. What we see is that this voice of the spirit needs to be consistent with Jesus. Yeah. The living word of God in the flesh. Yeah. Everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did was the perfect re revelation of God. But yeah. not only that, but then God speaks to somebody else and he confirms it within the witness of the church. And then what we see is that as Peter acts on that word and he goes to Cornelius's house and he preaches the gospels, they, gospel, they get a bunch of Gentiles together and, and, and Peter begins to share the good news. And lo and behold, the spirit falls on them in the same way as on the Jews. Mm -hmm. And what we see is that as we receive the word of God, we see the signs of God's presence following. We see the touch of God's hand, the supernatural outworking itself because God's words are not like human words. They carry the power and the authority of God. Yeah. And so whenever we see God speaking, we're going to see things like people getting healed, people being touched. We're going to see um, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. You know, um, when God speaks, you might be in the middle of a chaotic situation and suddenly you feel supernatural peace. Mm. Or, or, you, or perhaps you're in despair and suddenly you feel hope. Mm. These are the fruit of the spirit. These are the fruits of God's voice. And so when we follow that really simple pattern, would Jesus say this? Is someone else saying this? Uh, spiritual signs following this. We can be confident that we can hear that it is God. Yeah. And having understood that it is God, we then follow. We do yeah. what God is saying. Yeah. And that's where we see the supernatural miracles of God in our lives. That's awesome. I love that. And and the word of God also says that the, the word of God is the more sure word of prophecy. And prophecy is the hearing of God's voice. And so as she's saying, like, 
would Jesus do this? Would, would Jesus say this? A, is it consistent with his nature, but also do you see it in scripture? Now, obviously there's going to be things that you need to ask God about that are not in scripture. Like, should I take this job? Should I quit this job? Should I marry this person? Where should I live? You know, just things that we might ask the Lord, you won't see explicitly in scripture. And that's where like God understands we want his guidance. He wants to guide us. He's a good father. And he also understands that we are but dust and we are learning and we are children, you know, and we are messy, you know, and, and yet despite our messiness, he was so not, he's not intimidated by our messiness. He's not afraid. He's not, sometimes I get a little bothered when preaching is so hypersensitive to us making the slightest mistake, which on the one end, there's the holiness of God and, and in his presence, anything that is not holy feels huge. You know what I mean? Even if it's this small little thing, but at the same time, this dichotomy that, it, that we experience in God is that he's not intimidated by sin. He's not intimidated by our humanity. He's not like, none of it takes him by surprise. He can deal with it in a moment. You know what I mean? It's like, Sometimes I think we, we think we're so powerful that we can mess up this big thing that God has spent eternity putting together, you know? And so he's not intimidated by our learning process. In fact, even the word says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered, meaning Jesus had a learning process as well. And he was perfect. And so that right there speaks to, there's a difference between sin and the learning of obedience and the, the mistakes that maybe come with the learning of obedience. It's a different, they're different. And so anyways, um, but I, I love, I just love what you explained. Okay. Now I want to dive a little further and kind of go another direction in that. I want to hit on this whole women can't be preachers. That was another part of your story. You came out of a background that did not celebrate women teaching the word. In fact, had a belief that that was not for women to do. And of course there are some scriptures in the Bible that I've literally told the Lord, uh, I don't like this passage right here because it makes it sound like I can't preach the word of God. <laughs> and so I'm like, clearly I'm not seeing the full revelation of what this passage right here means. Um, and I do know women can, can teach the word of God. God is not a respecter of the genders in Christ. There's neither male nor female. However, because of some of those passages from Paul, like in Timothy or various places that people kind of can get hung up on those, those beliefs, or even, I think I heard someone reference, like where it talks about elders in the church, that elders should be a husband of, but one wife. And so the fact that it even labeled that position, they were like, see that right there is proof. Women are not to be elders. Women are not to be leaders in the church. Cause it says he must be a husband of a wife, you know? And so I've heard these different arguments. Clearly, clearly you've probably worked through these things. Um, what were some simple mm, keys or revelations that you got that kind of unraveled the argument that women should not be preachers? It was a journey for me, Jen, because I am very much a believer in if God says it in scripture, then I should follow it. And yeah. it would seem to me that a plain reading of a couple of references that you've just mentioned would say that I can't be. Right. So that was my position and that's how I was raised. And so for me, um, I started to learn about um, what we call hermeneutics mm -hmm. and that the scriptures are a 2,000-year-old, 3,000-year-old 
set of collection of books and letters and documents that require interpretation and an understanding of what was happening at the time, that you can't just pull it out of nowhere, and that many of um, these scriptures require a bit of an understanding of what was going on in the background or that just don't make sense. For example, the same passage in First, um, Second Timothy, no, First Timothy 2. I haven't, then my references aren't, I've forgotten. <laughs> um, it says, you know, a woman can't teach over a man. Um, it also says that women will be saved in childbirth. And I don't have children. And so my question is, oh, I can't be a Christian. I can't be a follower of Jesus if you take that literally. Right. And so something else is going on there. And the other side of it as well is that there's a bit of, Paul must be a bit confused because on the one hand he says when you prophesy or when you pray or when women um, speak in church, then they need to wear a head covering. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I remember really clearly I was raised in a church where the women had to wear a head covering. Everyone oh. wore hats. I know. And I remember at about this, I didn't have to wear one too often because I was still young. I would have been about 11 or 12. And I remember mum saying to me, oh, they've had a church meeting and women don't need to wear hats anymore. And I'm like, what? How did, that, how did they change the Bible? Oh, That was my first introduction to the fact that the Bible must be interpreted and to do justice to the beauty of what we have as a testimony of Jesus and the story of God in history requires that we do a little bit of understanding of what was happening at the time. Yeah. So, so that was a little bit of the theological side. Um, but God spoke to me that I was going to be in ministry. And in my understanding, I thought that meant that I would be married to a minister because that was the only way that I could um, be in ministry that was the only model that I had ever seen in my life and the model that our denomination had really you know pastor and his wife mm. and so that was a tough one because when God spoke to me about um, planting a church for example uh -huh. I thought oh, that means I must be getting married fighting <laughs> <laughs> and then God said these horrible words to me he said not yet I'm like oh. what? not yet oh. yeah God because yeah. you know why me? Why do I have to do it as a single woman? That doesn't feel right. And um, yeah, and I, you know, I said to him, I'm just checking because, you know, at weddings, in people read that passage from Ecclesiastes, two are better than one, mm. you know, um, because when one falls down, the other picks them up, but pity the person who has no one to pick them up. And I'm like, God, like, thanks for that. <laughs> here's the scripture here, you know, have a yeah. look. And then and then we had the textbook at the college that I was teaching at on church planting, how to plant a church. And it said, chapter one, essentials for church planting. Number one, pastor and his wife. I'm like, God, the textbook, haven't you read it? <laughs> no, it doesn't appear that God cared about the textbook. Um, and then I asked him, why do I need to do this? And he said, and I, I was pretty upset, actually, because it didn't feel fair. And um, I, I was scared as a single woman. I was inexperienced and I had never been modelled fully what female leadership looked like. Mm. Actually, that's not true. My mentor was a part of that process. But when it came to planning a church, that was a real issue. And I had very clearly, God spoke to me through a vision. I saw an image of a penny-farthing bicycle. Do you know which? what they are those uh -huh. 19th century bicycles with a really big wheel and then a the small wheel at the back oh yeah yeah and I heard these words that's the old-fashioned way oh. and um I knew immediately it was God and I knew exactly 
exactly what it meant. And I knew what God was saying, because if I had been married then, I would have stayed the small wheel mm. and rather than growing up in the fullness of my calling, that God was calling me who I, in who I was. I didn't need to be married. I didn't need a certain status. I needed to understand that God had called and equipped me and that I had the gifts and the abilities and the talents to actually do what God was calling me to do. And that to be married at that point would have made me shrink back. Mm. There was something in me that just wanted to sit in the back seat. Mm. Um, so for me, it was a theological issue, as I've explained through, you know, hermeneutical understandings of scripture, but then also trying to work out my identity and what did it mean to be mm. a strong female leader uh, irrespective of whether I was married or single. And some people don't have that issue. I was just raised with that as my model all around me. Most of the women I knew in my background were beautiful women, big hearted, but they weren't they weren't leaders. Mm -hmm. They were quiet, they were passive, they were um yeah, and I'd only seen men in leadership. So I was confused about what that meant sure. for me. Yeah. How to be a strong female woman. And of course, obviously in the church world, um, you see less role models of women. So it, it's sometimes hard to negotiate that. But yeah, it was a bit of a journey and um, a little bit of um, spirit speaking to me and a lot of study of what the Bible meant when it said what it did. And yes. But my testimony now is that I, um, I love being who I am, mm. experience the fullness of what of who God created me to be. Certainly yes. still many working it out, but very yeah. thankful. Oh yeah. I meant to mention earlier when you're talking about how the word of God is confirmed, I, I forgot to mention this, uh, that happened just this week in a very unique way in that I was out praying and I was praying for our church and I felt like the Lord spoke to me. He said, the church is going to go through a significant transition or a significant shift in three months. So I calculated, I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, that's June. Okay. That's cool. So I go inside and tell my husband and I said, Hey babe, I feel like the Lord said, big shift in three months. And he goes, that's funny. Yesterday I told pastor that in June, I felt like we were going to go through a significant shift. And so hey. I call, yeah. And I call the, uh, the preschool director and I was like, Hey, cause she, she's very prophetic too. And so we'll share what the Lord is speaking to us. She's like, girl, I just told your husband the same thing like a week ago. And I was like, what? And so there's lots of us picking up on the same thing. So that right there brings even the energy of the faith of like, whoa, we are hearing from the Lord. And then it causes all of us to be like, okay, God, what's on your radar, you know, like praying into this. And so, um, I just wanted to share that example so that, you know, people hearing like, Hey, this is a, this happened, this can happen all the time. Interject briefly here. I yeah. should say that God didn't leave me as one, you know, he, he brought lots of people around me to pick me up when I did fall. And I think oh, yeah. the issue is that Holy spirit will always provide for mm -hmm. us no matter what status that we are in. Yeah. So I think the encouragement that just because yeah. you, it, nothing like that is going to be a handicap to you, your, your wealth, your status, your gender. In God, the Holy Spirit who calls us will always provide for us. Yes, I'm glad you called that out. In fact, there was a, there was a point when, A, finding women who were leading and leading in the giftings that were on my life or that were women leaders, it was hard to find mentors. Like you just said, it was hard to find women that I could pull from. And so it actually became very important to me that I was that for the women that I saw were hungry for the things I was walking in and that I was demonstrating in my life. Um, part of the reason for the podcast. And, uh, but I love that the Lord, there was, there was a season when I started to feel discouraged because 
I wasn't having opportunities to preach at church, even though I was a pastor, if you will. Um, you know, all these different things that were discouraging me in my position. And I started to wrestle with the fear, speaking of the handicaps, the fear that men could stand in my way of fulfilling the call of God on my life. And that was just a few weeks that I subscribed to that belief. And it was a horrible couple of weeks. <laughs> like I just felt very tormented in my soul until I finally realized, you know what? When I stand before the Lord, I stand before the Lord for my gifts. It is my responsibility, how I steward my gifts. No man can stand in my way. If they won't let me in a pulpit, I'll get on a podcast. You know, if they won't let me here, I'll go there. I thought of um, some of the women of history who in their time couldn't be women preachers. Literally, it was illegal and so they're like, fine, I'll just stand out here and in a tent, you know, or whatever, and, and outside of the grocery store and preach. And so there's always a way, and God will always make a way for you to fulfill the, the gifts on your life. Okay, so how did you know, kind of wrapping this up, how did you know that when you were exploring those transitionary, well, that's not the right word, those transformational beliefs that were taking you from, from one place to another how did you know for yourself that you were being led into truth and not into a deception that was taking away from the word of God? Because that tension is there when you're exploring those things. Yeah. Well, again, I think applying those tests that we talked about before, would Jesus say this? Is someone else saying this? Uh, a spiritual science following this, I think applied to my story as well. And throughout God spoke to more than one person. And I don't think, to be honest, um, that then led me to a revisiting of many of those scriptural issues and I'd been presented as though it was black and white there was no clarity you know there was no confusion it was how it was but clearly that wasn't the case and that even today you'll find very different attitudes or uh, debates around this so I think if anyone is questioning those things it's worth doing some reading around those areas um, to try and understand that you know there are different positions when it comes to scripture and so that our starting point has to, we have to go back to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is described as the perfect image of the invisible God. In the past, God spoke through the prophets, but now God has fully spoken through his son. And I think if we start with that as our starting point, that that's a safe place to start. And then we go and look at some, unpacking some of those other issues with a, with a spirit of humility, Jen, um, because just because it's presented as fact doesn't mean that there's another side to the story and humility requires us to do that. I think that's really good. Well, why don't you share with us then how can listeners connect with you if they want to hear more about what you've got to talk about, especially around these topics and just all the things that you offer? Yes, certainly. We have a website, godconversations.com, that has a whole raft of resources. So videos, podcasts, articles, all on this topic. Um, but probably the most significant tool that we have is a couple of books, one called God Conversations, Stories of How God Speaks and What Happens When We Listen, and another one called The Church Who Hears God's Voice, um, which is aimed to church leaders. So it looks at some of the findings of my PhD. Um, interesting to have a look at some of the gaps in this area theologically that have created some real problems for us. So if you're in leadership or pastors, then that's probably best for you and then we have a tool called 50 days of god conversations where a church goes through a, a seven-week bible study and focuses on this area mm -hmm. um, because it, then it creates a culture around this that enables the spirit of god to be tested to be able to be tested 
the revelation that we claim to have within the life of the church. And I often say that you don't need the church to hear God's voice, but you need the church to recognize and respond to it. Mm. So testing was always supposed to happen in community. So there are a few tools that we've got as well. That's so true. The word of God says to test, test prophecies. And so that's really good. I love that. No thing about that, Jen, is that you don't need a theological degree to do that because it's about positioning our hearts to follow. And I often say around this area, the fear of getting it wrong is mitigated by a heart that says, I want to follow. Because then as we do that, we're surrendering our own desires and our own agendas. And that then is the thing that will protect us. Mm. Those who have ears to hear will hear. And so we, we open our hearts, we open our ears, our spiritual eyes, and we say, God, speak to me, mm-hmm. make it clear. And whatever you say, I'll follow. Yeah. That's the key to hearing God's voice clearly. That's so good. I love that. Well, listen, thank you so much, Tanya, for coming on the show. I know I have listeners who are asking those questions and like want a little bit more of a theological explanation. So if that's you listeners and you are like, Hey, I want some more of the deep, deep, deep meat, meat stuff. Then why don't you go check out Tanya's material online, godconversations.com and connect with her, follow her on social media, check out some of her resources. And um, I encourage you dig into those places of the word, especially that you feel like you just have a lot of questions around it tackle those questions. God is not intimidated by your questions. They're very, very important. And so thank you again for coming. You guys listen, go uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes coming up. And uh, also go check out the merch store, javawithgenmerch.com. I have a whole lot of new spring designs up there for you, new mugs, sweatshirts, t-shirts, all the things. So go check that out. And otherwise I will see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.